All right. Cool. Uh, well, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at Seventh Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Namesake. How's it going? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, I think it's, it's usually the case, but overdue, I think, um, with, with a lot of the guests I have. But no, I've been looking Oh, for- yeah. I mean, the, the, pre- the time is, what do they say? The present is the best time or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. No time better than the present, no, something like that. Yes. Something like that. That's, that's why it's a, it's a gift. That's why they call it the present. That's, no, okay. <laughs> I like that. That's what, I'm going to steal that one. It's a gift. That's why they call it the president. Yeah, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that. No, I definitely didn't make that up, so you can, you can run with that if you want. Um, but, yeah, how's, what, what, are you, what have you been up to in uh, pandemic times? Pandemic times? Just trying to, like, stay afloat, you know? Uh, just, yeah, working on music but also just like figuring out other ways to make money financially, mm-hmm. obviously, um, outside of like music stuff. Cause for a while it was like, nothing was really happening uh, for like show wise or like gig wise or even like artists or labels or anything. Like was, you know, there was just a lot of stuff just kind of got halted for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's picking up a little bit now, but just fitting and um i moved in the middle of the pandemic so that's like a whole thing but yeah so just trying to find ways to stay creative and uh because if no one knows what it's gonna look like you know when if corona is ever over if what the world's gonna look like afterwards yeah. but when we get back to normal um you know just to be able to move forward like full force so take advantage of the time that we have because it's like you don't really have to be promoting anything or like uh, not, you know, there's a lot of artists, a lot of like musicians and stuff aren't really going full force because either because they can't or they feel like the support behind it won't be as like um, as big right now for obvious reasons. Um, so just kind of like taking the time while things are in a lull to like, you know, just work on the craft and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Like, I've, I'm maybe I brought this up on another episode or just elsewhere, but it was kind of funny. Like, for like a year or two there I've just felt like I had such a big backlog of stuff that I wanted to do and I'm like I literally like had the thought I'm like I, I just want to pause the world and just catch up on my shit and now that yeah. the world has been paused for six months I'm like eh, that, it, that's maybe maybe not never be careful what you wish for I guess right yeah so. definitely it's, it's just such a weird time when you know like yeah, it seems like the world's just been on pause. And what do you do with that time? You know, like we've been what on quarantine or lockdown for how like six months or whatever. So it's like, okay, you think about what you thought it was going to be in March. Now it's September, and you're like, <laughs> you know, you just look back on it. It's like what the things you thought you might do, or how long you thought it was going to last, or what you wanted summer 2020 to look like, even after you found out we were, you know, in a pandemic. So it's like everything's just so interesting right now, I guess. No, yeah, and I think, like, there was, like, a kind of novelty to it back in, like, March and April. Like, everyone's like, oh, we get, we're going to get a month off of work, we're, and we can bounce back from this, and it'll just be, like, a funny thing we all talk about in 10 years and tell our kids about. But 
it is obviously extended beyond that and uh rightfully so some people are kind of losing it and having having a rough time with it so hopefully it hasn't been all that uh dreary on your end hopefully you've been able to keep a good attitude yeah i mean there's been uh positive things that have been going on too you know you take the good with the bad but that's with anything you know but yeah, I guess we can kind of rewind a bit and work our way back. But I was just curious, as I am with most musicians, about what music was like for you growing up and like what kind of the first type of music you like kind of latched on to, like if your family was showing you stuff, if your friends were getting you into stuff when you were a kid. Uh, yeah. So my musical journey as a kid, that's interesting. I wasn't really super into music growing up, I would say. I mean, I remember I think like the first CD I ever got was like Usher Confessions. And I was like, I was pretty young at the time. And, but other than that, I really just listened to like the radio and whoever was on the radio is kind of like what I listened to. And then like ton of gospel music all the time. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I ever listened to until I got to, high school I started making beats when I was in middle school but it wasn't until I got to high school and uh Kendrick Lamar had dropped Good Kid Mad City and I remember hearing that album and I was like how have I never heard of Kendrick Lamar before I felt so out the loop and um listened to that and loved it and then I think that was 2013 so every album or that was 2012 every album that came out after that that whole year so you had like JG dropped Kanye dropped uh, like Wale dropped that year, J. Cole dropped. All of that was like spring, summer 2013. I listened to all those projects like top to bottom. That was the first time I really like was like on the pulse of like, let me actually listen to what's happening like in the industry or in rap or whatever. And that's kind of like when I started to like go digging and find like the, the artists and the music that I was interested in, even though I'd already made beats um, prior to that for like a few years, just like for fun. So um, that's kind of like my musical journey. Like I had friends who would try to put me on like Tyler the Creator when he was first coming up and I thought he was like super weird, didn't get into it. I, I really like Tyler now, but at the time I, I didn't get it. I was like, no, it's just weird, <laughs> you know? And so uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until I heard the uh, Kendrick Project, I heard Good Kid Man I'm like, oh, this is a really good artist. I really like this project. Let me be more aware of like, you know, what's going on in music before like someone tells me what's like, <laughs> I guess. So that's kind of like my story. Yeah. No. And I think it's like, um, you could have been like, you could have been able to say this like five years ago or whatever, but like, I think like, I think, yeah, good kid in mad city is definitely like one of like two or three, like ultra influential albums in our kind of generation of, like hip hop musicians, I think just because like that was like a big stepping stone for like tons and tons of people to kind of like start digging into uh, like modern hip hop, I guess. Cause like Tyler definitely like for, I think Tyler was like an easier access point for anyone who was like into like punk or like different kind of like rock subcultures and stuff just because it had that like aggressiveness to it but mm -hmm. I, I think on on the other end like good kid mad city is definitely like 
a big uh like touchstone for a lot of people our age i think i think so too just like kind of i think for people our age that was like besides like you have like kanye who's been around for a while i think kendrick was like the first artist of our generation to drop a project of that caliber where it was kind of like hey you should probably listen to this and know who this guy is and so yeah for a lot of us that was kind of like even if you had been like even a part of like blog era you know before that which i wasn't which is like crazy me going back to that and like wow i missed all this stuff you know i had no idea but yeah i think kendrick was like once that happened everybody you just kind of like forced to pay attention so. and he was like young enough and like new enough on the scene to where like young kids getting into Kendrick felt like really felt like he was like he's our guy you know like because yeah like you said Kanye was kind of present for the previous generation even though he was a little more like behind the scenes or a little more like on relatively unknown but yeah Kendrick right yeah just kind of he had the the youth and the, the freshness to really bring more younger people into hip hop as a whole I guess Right. And I mean, I definitely grew up with Kanye. Like when I got like an iPod, when those things were really cool, <laughs> uh, I had definitely had graduation on my iPod. I remember I used to play it all the time. I thought Stronger was the craziest song ever made in Flashing Lights. And then I discovered Daft Punk and I thought they were like the coolest band to ever exist or like duo or whatever you want to call them. So I I had like some influences early but they weren't they weren't as deep as they are now or they didn't really like shape me as a musician they were just kind of like what I was interested in hearing I guess you know yeah no and it's funny like you, you say like you you loaded you had graduation on your iPod and it's like there are like various like a, a certain handful of albums that like I remember like when I was a kid I would like get on my dad's computer and get on iTunes and like you know I I was getting like ten dollars allowance every week i'm not like buying tons of music but like i would just like get on itunes on his computer and just listen to like the 30 second previews of like a dozen different yeah. albums all the time and like some like stronger i'm sure definitely just because that was kind of a big crossover thing like i'm sure i was listening to like the the 30 second preview of that and a handful of other kanye songs but right, right. And speaking of that, like, so I had an iPod, right? And you, everything was like a dollar to buy the song. Well, I had lost my iPod when I was like in middle school or something. So my parents weren't going to buy me another iPod because they were expensive. So I had this thing called like a, or the MP3 players. They were like the knockoff iPods or whatever. But the kind that I had was basically what music streaming is now, or very similar. Mm. Like you would load songs, you would pay, I think monthly, and you would just load songs onto your mp3 player but they could only play on your mp3 player they weren't like real files i don't really understand how it works i would have to like go back and look at it mm. but so basically i could put like as many songs as my mp3 player would fit and i remember that's how i learned about more artists at the time but that was still pretty early so that i would i could have like the entire i was listening to a lot of lupe at the time like when the cool came out and uh, when, like, Food and Liquor came out, I remember having, like, the entire album on, like, my MP3 player. I used to listen to a top because I, I definitely didn't pay the 12 or $15 that it was worth on iTunes. So I can actually see, like, my old iTunes songs. is pretty crazy from, like, 2007 or something. I would be very interested in seeing, like, what that specific 
like off-brand mp3 player was and what kind of like service you're using like the service is called rhapsody oh you're yeah the service and i think the mp3 player was like a sand disc okay yeah no i've seen some of those 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 are like it was it kind of like an like a an oval or like like kind of a weird like long shape but you held yeah it looked like kind of like a tv remote but it was like much much shorter (laughs) yeah it was they had different designs though they had like plenty because you know they were trying to get people to buy them Mm -hmm. they had all kinds of different ones but um yeah it was basically like a really small it was it was it wasn't it didn't look like an ipod at all it was like a totally different thing nice no i think i I think i oh sorry no you're right I think I moved from, I initially had the iPod Shuffle, which is like the one with no screen. And then I got the iPod Touch. And, but then by the time I was in like high school, I like went full like music nerd and got like off Craigslist, like the iPod Classic with like 120 gigabytes in it. So I could just load every single album that I owned all at once into it. I was always like showing that to my friends. That was what i was doing in high school um i always wanted a classic just for the novelty of it i knew i would never have that many songs but no yeah the thing is it's like i i still have it i'm sure it still works i haven't touched it yeah but like it it would just be such a task to like actually go download all of the stuff and like load it onto there on a regular basis because like there's plenty of music right i love that isn't on streaming services but like just the the task of like loading it all onto my iPod every week would be kind of a thing. <laughs> I have a um, forbidden Aaliyah collection, and if I had an iPod Classic, I would put all of it on the um, on my yeah on my iPod Classic. But yeah, before, before this gets like way too uh, boring to anyone <laughs> listening, <laughs> like I. I is there a way you can like on Spotify like upload your own like parts of no. your library and then listen over like internet? No, there's no way. So on Apple Music you can do it. Well, iCloud Library right. super easy. Yeah. Google Play Music you can do it. The best way you could do it on Spotify that's really creative is that I've seen people make podcasts oh, yeah. from like leaked songs and stuff like that. And I guess since the podcast section of Spotify isn't super moderated, it kind of like gets by. So you could do that if you wanted to and put your whatever album isn't on streaming on like a podcast and then just play your podcast. So Uh, there's whoever's listening that, you know, it is what it is. I didn't admit it. So (laughs) next up on the Shuttlecock um, tech support podcast, um, we have no... (laughs) No, but right. um, I get super nerdy with the tech stuff. So oh, yeah. we could talk we could do this all day. Um yeah. well you mentioned um you were you're making beats um like before you were even like super interested in like keeping up with like current hip hop stuff. Yeah. Um you said. But like so what was what was some of the initial like inspiration and drive that kind of went into your like first stuff you're making? Um so Basically, my journey in the beats was I always kind of liked production, and I think my dad saw that somehow. I don't even know. And uh, basically, sometimes I would be there would be um this lady at my church. She would have like these like these very very like old school like CDJ type things, 
um but not like the the ones you see at like festivals they're like very different and i would like get on there and like mix songs like from track to track or whatever or try it and my dad used to dj when he was in uh college so he had um turntables like in our basement that he never uses <laughs> um so i like tried them like once or twice or whatever but basically if you remember the artist xv from wichita um his cousin was one of his main producers and me and him kind of grew up together and went to St. Church, lived around the corner from me. And so he taught me FL when I was in middle school. And uh, that's basically how I learned to make beats. And I just kind of did it for fun. Um, I was listening to Shock Value by Timbaland at the time and like Future Sex Love Sounds. So that was kind of like my early inspiration. But I mean, none of my beats really sounded like anything. Like nowadays, like people get into production it's very, it's very, very different. Like, um, it's, it's much easier, like the sound sound better, the drum kit sound way better. It's incredible, actually. The VST sound better, like you can get into it and make a hit like on your first day, like trying it, like if you really wanted to do that. Back then, like using FL demo, like you hear what Crank That sounds like, like that beat, you know, like sounds he made great. that into a hit song, but that was really the capabilities of what you really had at the time. If, you were like starting out as a producer. So that my beats didn't really sound like anything. And it was like probably a couple of years before I even decided, um, oh, I should make beats that artists want to use to like rap on. It was just kind of like people go play video games. Like I would just hop on FL Studio and like click around and make some, I have all the beats I've ever made or like 90% mm -hmm. of them. So it's, I'll go back and listen to them sometimes. It's really funny. How old were you during those, like your first time like doing FL? Uh, 13, 14, something like that. And um, were, were you living in Wichita or you just had family there? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I lived in Kansas City and his cousin lived in KC as well. Um, so, but I learned about XV through him because he used to produce for his cousin, who's XV. And so, um, yeah, that's basically how I got started. Oh, sorry. Can you still see me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. Um, Oh, what else? Uh, no, yeah. So you mentioned that like there there was some other. Uh, oh, you, you said the some of the gear you were using some of the like CDJ type gear from the church early on. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that was um, and I used to try to like run like live sound and stuff like that. Mm. You know, like basically just muting and unmuting mics, like nothing crazy. But I was like super young. I was a teenager, not even a teenager, really. It was just always interested to me, interesting to me. And I used to, when I got into middle school, I was playing uh, like saxophone and stuff. So I always did things around music. But like nobody in my family is musical, like at all. Like nobody in my family sings. Nobody plays instruments. Nobody. I have a cousin that dances, like, but like he's like eight hours away in Texas. So like, <laughs> you know, like it was. I didn't really grow up around music besides like going to church every week and like gospel music and stuff like that. So um, I just, I guess just me being interested in like those very specific things, like this, the CDJ here doing the live sound because that's what was interesting me trying out band when I was in middle school. I think I just kind of found my way into production in like a roundabout way. Yeah, and then was... also having a friend who actually knew how to make beats in FL, you know? No, yeah, it sounds like it was a very, like, gradual thing rather than just, like, one, like, 
crazy moment that like kind of sucked you in. So it is kind of interesting to see it kind of move in from several different like aspects of your life and hobbies and stuff. Yeah, but for sure. I guess, uh, well, it, I, it maybe ha- has nothing to do with it at all, but some, some of your like earlier music experiences were like in the church. Do you think like the kind of like, cause a lot of your beats are very like upbeat, like, do you think that kind of upbeatness from the gospel music kind of, like, translates into the kind of beats you make at all? I don't think so at all. I think for the amount of, like, church that I've had in my lifetime, I feel like I have not a lick of gospel influence. Because I was never a church musician, so I never played drums in church. I never played keys. I never I was, was in choir or anything like that. Church. You weren't. I played the saxophone in church one time and oh. I hated it. And that was the last time I ever did that. Um, so <laughs> when it comes to my beats, I, I really just, especially early on, I was just trying to make something that sounded good or sounded cool. I remember specifically trying to remake the beat, um, the Kobe Bryant beat, which is super relevant right now. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. But uh, Kobe Bryant, that Lil Wayne did, that he actually just redid. Um, he put he uh, re-put that out on a No Ceilings mixtape that he remastered or whatever. But I remember trying to make that beat in the FL at the time, and I didn't even have a, um, there's like a horn sample or like playing the horn synth or whatever. And I didn't have a sound that sounded like that in FL. And I was, remember, I was like, I don't know how to, to do this, you know, and the beat that I made sounded nothing like it. It was so trash. Uh, so I was like, that was the first time I really tried to get better with beats or whatever. But I was just trying to make things that I heard like on the radio or on like SoundClick, which was like a beat selling website before like tight beats were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was just, and then after that, just finding out what VSTs are and then just finding out what chords are, you know, just natural music producer progression type stuff. But yeah, no, I wouldn't say the church influence was like super mm-hmm. um, heavy in my in my sound or anything like that. Oh, and you said that like an early album that you also were pretty into was Timbaland's Shock Value. Yeah. And um, I, I read in, I think you got interviewed by like St. Louis Public Radio. And oh, were, I did, yeah. Yeah, and you were talking about how like the Missy and Timbaland stuff is like, you're, you're pretty into a lot of their stuff together. Like, did you kind of work your way back and find the Missy stuff? Yeah. Or, yeah. I worked my way back for the Missy stuff. So... Basically, after I kind of got into college and like post-college, just figuring out, especially specifically with Pink Caravan, she's a super huge Missy Elliott fan. So just taking kind of like what I already knew about Missy Elliott and Tim and then also like Neptunes and stuff, um, just kind of going back and re-listening and kind of like with the knowledge I've gained now, kind of understanding what their process was, what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish. but as far as like the shock value album, uh, I was just really into all the like synth stuff that producers were doing in hip hop around 2007, 2008, like his album, Future Sex Love Sounds, Graduation, um, cause it's like synths and samples on there. Diddy's album, Press Play, super underrated. I think that has the best production, like the most futuristic production, like in the 2000s, like period. For a, for a rap record and that was like 2007 2008 what, what singles were like were there any big singles off that i'm trying to think he had a song called tell me with one of the pussycat dolls i think 
Okay. Um, it's not, I'm but sure they it's weren't great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think any of the songs on that album were like super big or anything like that, like any like radio records or anything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they, it was a very feature filled like Twisters on it. Uh, Timbaland produced a bunch of it. Dangers on it. Um, I think I can't remember. There's some more like um, there's some couple of like pretty big names that are on it though. And I think it's just a good album, like, production-wise. But, yeah, I was just really into, like, all these, like, they're basically pulling all these electronic influences, like the synthesizers and stuff. I'm like, wow, everything sounds so cool. And I think that's just because of how old I was at the time. It's, like, the perfect age for anything to sound cool. And that's what was, I guess, around for me to listen to and to gravitate towards. So I kind of, like, really got into that. And that's kind of what was driving, like, my earlier sounding beats um which is kind of like that very like heavy synth like if you listen to the beat for the um on shock value what's the the way i are like that beat is crazy it's just like with the sense and like the four and the four beat or whatever and uh i thought the difference between tim's uh song with one republic and like the original version like just to hear like what he did different to it which is really just some drums and like some other stuff but how like how the bounce was different, how like how it felt different, and that version was on the radio. Just like just like very little things like that, just were the kind of early influences for me. I think. Oh yeah, and it's funny like you you mentioned like you're really drawn into like the synth stuff and all this kind of electronic influenced like pop and rap music, and yeah. it, it's kind of funny like you're def like when you're like maybe like a teenager or younger and you're hearing all of that type of music from like the late aughts, like early tens. It's like, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you probably don't like, I, I, I definitely didn't, but like, you don't have as much like background knowledge of like kind of like seventies and eighties music that also kind of pulled from that stuff. So you're like, you, you don't know anything about that. So you're like, wow, this sounds like the future. This is crazy. This like robots, oh, yeah. I didn't you got Daft any... Punk. So yeah. like, I'm sure, you know, any, anyone who was like an adult in the 70s and 80s is like, oh, they're just doing this again. But like right. any, any kid must have been like, oh, holy shit, this is crazy. So it makes sense that you gravitated towards like Daft Punk and then kind of found all of this stuff to be uh, right. on your wavelength. Yeah, yeah I, went, I, did, I went super hard into like EDM when I was in high school. Like I was listening to like uh, Maddie and a lot, um, if you know who that is. And What's interesting about him, he's like a French house producer, mm. but we're like the same age. He, the FL Studio used to have these remix contests they used to do in like the late 2000s or like maybe like the early 10s maybe. And I was like, oh, I'm going to kill this or whatever. Because everybody who used FL at the time, it was all like dance beats, just like really trash techno stuff or whatever. Not that techno is trash, but the type of beats they were making were very trash. And so I was just like, oh, okay. I'm going to kill it. So it was like, whatever the acapella was, I don't remember. Definitely wasn't hip hop inspired, but I was just going to make a hip hop beat to it. And I did, I thought it was cool. I got like some little votes and like their form or whatever, but then I heard the winner and it was this guy named Maddian and he won and it was actually like pretty cool. I don't really remember it that well, but I basically followed his career ever since then. And he used to do these like super cool, like mashup videos on YouTube. Like they were really popular and he ended up, being like a full out producer and DJ in his own right and he makes incredible stuff but yeah I got super hard into um dance music from that so listening to a lot of like 
French house stuff or like Electro House, like Wolfgang Gardner or yeah, Gardner, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, him and then when dubstep became a thing that freaked I mean everybody was probably listening to dubstep at one point in time. So mm-hmm. like when Skrillex came around, that was crazy. Uh Flux Pavilion, all kinds of like crazy stuff. That's what I was listening to like senior year of high school before Kendrick dropped. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's kinda like uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't really my influence. It was just I thought it was so interesting. It was just like I wasn't it wasn't anything that I had really heard before or was familiar with. Yeah. Um but as far as like influences and stuff, my dad plays like a lot of like eighties hip hop records. So like Ron DMC, Eric B and Rod Cam, but also like party music like um what is the like Zap and Roger and like Cameo and stuff like that. And then like in some of those records you'll hear maybe like a synthesizer or two or like the vocoder type vocals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't I definitely didn't put it together in the way you kind of are like, oh hey, maybe this stuff that Timbaland's doing with the sense is grabbing from this old stuff over here. Cause I didn't listen to disco at all growing up. I had no idea what disco was. So, you know, but yeah, that was kind of wrong, right? Oh no, that's good. No, and that kind of made me think too, it's like um well it's funny because I don't know if you've you've talked to Alexander Preston before, but he also yeah, yeah, he he has like he did kind of have like a big um, EDM like dance music techno electronic phase like before he got really into like he was making like yeah kind of like instrumental tracks and songs like that right too so and you can hear it like, with his stuff yeah. you can really hear it like he leans leans into that a lot sounds good no yeah and he um, well no the thing is it's like it's funny like pop music like how people talk about pop music i think kind of like morphs over time and kind of like latches itself onto whatever like other genre of music is like really gaining steam so like of course like the last 10 15 years that has been hip-hop but like like even concurrently and before that like all the like a lot of like very big pop songs if you like pick them apart like Britney Spears, like type shit, like Justin Bieber songs, mm-hmm. like oh, more more recent Justin Bieber stuff, but like, in like in addition to or aside from having hip hop influence, like they do have a lot of like I think kind of like electronic and techno influence that people don't really think about oh, for sure. if, if you don't look for it. So like, having, I remember, so, no, yeah, having that background that yeah. you're you're interested in that and alexander also i think probably helps you guys as like producers and songwriters that was my oh point. you have to i think electronic producers edm producers they're the best producers they're the most talented the most skilled everything i know besides drum production i guess but like all the like synth work like even the stuff i do like with pink caravan like i had to there was no preset vst that I could have find those sounds with. I had to go make those from scratch and I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't like, was already in the EDM and I knew what sound design was and like future bass was kind of new. So I was like learning sound design for that or whatever. So I think like the, the electronic producers and, and you also you see it with guys who, cause like loops are pretty big now in the producer world and um, 
you have like QBs and you have all these guys from like Germany or whatever. Um, and all they do is like sit with their synths and make like cool loops for like hip hop producers to use because hip hop's huge right now. Um, you know, those guys definitely are the most, I guess, technically skilled like producers or whatever. So you can learn a lot just listening to EDM and just learning about different like sonic textures and stuff like that. And I think like even like when EDM had that really big crossover like in the early 10s, um, yeah, like pop was kind of like getting more EDM, like stuff where Rihanna was doing. And like even Beyonce was working with like Diplo and Rihanna with Calvin Harris. And then you had Zed who had like a huge pop hit, even though he was like a DJ or whatever. Yeah. Um, Chainsmokers, all that shit. Yeah. Chain, even Chainsmokers after that. Like, I think those guys really kind of brought some of the EDM stuff you would only hear like, you know, big festivals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of brought that to like a pop world and not like everybody's. There's like some element, some elements of it, like in pop music specifically, I would say, for sure. Oh, yeah. And um, sorry. No, yeah. So you, you've also, yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of times you work a lot with um, a St. Louis artist named Pink Caravan. Yeah. And she's very talented. Um, I think, like, it, this might be the one time, but maybe there's been more that might have been the one time we've been in the same room was when she came to play the Westport Coffee House. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I was, was going to mention show. that earlier. Yeah. yeah. But, but I remember, yeah, you were there for that. Oh, yeah. And how how did you first kind of get in touch with her and start working together? Um, so I'm gonna try to give the short version because I'm super long-winded. So basically what happened was, um, I was in college and I had friends who lived in St. Louis that also made music. So we had mutual friends and she was looking for a beat. She was looking for somebody to produce, I guess, a project. I only, I don't even know what she was looking for at the time, but basically one of my mutual friends with her recommended me and she like found my Twitter I think and my B page and I beat on there called Mario Party and which is kind of fitting if you think about it and she loved it and she's like hey do you have any more beats like this and I was like no but I'll just make you one and so I made the beat that day for Rob a Drill Restore which is on the first EP that we did together um sent that to her she loved it and then we did that whole those three songs like in the next month and we put it out the month after that. And that's how we started working together. And ever since then, we've been pretty much working together. That was like 2017, I think. Oh, yeah, and there there is like uh, a lot of references to like earlier uh, St. Louis hip hop on that project and several of her songs. Um, is, that, is that something that you have like any like real personal connection to like the kind of mid to late aughts like uh st louis stuff uh that's definitely her thing definitely like 100 percent her thing um which i think makes the music like super cool like she's very nostalgic she's big on like her influences and what influenced her like as a child you know mm-hmm. so um and like how things felt when she was like growing up and just kind of capturing the um emotion from all that so basically all the influences, the decision to like sample grills and uh, even to uh, interpolate um, Huey's Pop Pop and Drop It, rest in peace Huey, 
um, for another song, you know, those are all like her ideas and just kind of like her being singles to the core, essentially. Mm. And, uh, but I mean, everybody in Missouri, rock, rock, you know, wanted to have the Band-Aid on their face from Nelly, like, growing up. That was just a good thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, shout, shout out to Solomon. Uh, I've seen him rock a Band-Aid before. So right, look. yeah. <laughs> shout out um, to Solomon, man. No, yeah. Um, so what what do you think makes your, like, you you and Pink Caravans dynamic work so well, like, just because, you know, yeah, you've done, like, two full projects together, basically, and I'm guessing there's more coming, so right. what do you think makes it work? Um, I think it's just under, like, me just having an understanding of her style and her personality and kind of what she, the vibe that she wants, specifically, like, the vibes and the aesthetics that influence her creativity. Mm. I think, in short, that's what makes it work. Because I've, even like myself, so like I produce most of her stuff, but I actually try like actively to like get other producers like on board. And we have a couple songs out that are like, are like co-produced with me and like somebody else and stuff like that. Um, but what I notice is that even if people like use, you know, like similar soundscapes and stuff, it's like, there's definitely like a, um, a certain, I don't know how to put it. It's like a certain vibe, you know, that, that an instrumental has to have for her to even consider writing to it you know this sounds kind of pretentious but it's more so just like knowing what inspires her and her creativity as an artist you know that makes sense and i think i listened to her early on knowing that she liked the beat that i had at the time that's called mario party and then me making us doing that first ep like i kind of immediately knew i thought okay these are the type of things that she likes and she influences. And I've made her like, you know, we've only put out like a handful of songs, but I've made her probably like hundreds of beats. And so like I have actual uh, like evidence of just like, yeah, this, this is what's going to work and this is what's not going to work, you know? Even if I want to like branch out and try something different, it still has to invoke a certain emotion, you know? No, yeah. and I know you were... Were you going to school at Mizzou in Columbia for a while? Are you still there? Yeah, I went to Mizzou. So I was kind of curious, like, what the Columbia scene or lack thereof is like, and, like, if it, uh, if you kind of led to you feeling, like, disconnected to Casey or St. Louis at all? All right. That's a good question, actually, because – if I didn't go to Mizzou, I would have never met Pink Caravan, mm. like, period. But also because, like, Mizzou brought me closer to St. Louis, but it took me farther away from KC. Like, I was the only black male from my school that went to Mizzou. Like, all my other friends went to, like, Mo State, Northwest, or whatever. And there were only really a handful of black students who went to Mizzou. They were from Kansas City. You know, there was more people from St. Louis who went, and there were a ton of people from Chicago who that went. So that was kind of what influenced the culture of, like, Black people at Mizzou at the time. Um, but as far as musically, I mean, I think now or, like, in the last few years, it's been, like, a growing scene there. There's a lot of, like, good bands there. Um, there's a lot of pretty um, good venues there. They'll bring in, like, decent artists and bands. There's a couple of festivals there now. 
um earlier when i got there it was mostly just kind of like the djs would bring like maybe like somebody in from like homecoming or something like that um it was like a really big like going out like partying and stuff like that but i think um more so like in my uh last few years there and then like after i wasn't going there anymore it was more so kind of like a um kind of like a more indie scene i guess um there's like a venue there called cafe berlin and they bring in a lot of like smaller acts like me and pink caravan performed there plenty of times at the film festival they'll bring in like local and kind of like mid-sized acts um to come to the city yeah, and true, true false yeah true false so it's not like um like KU, because KU they have um what's that venue there? The Granada, something mm-hmm. like that. Like they actually bring in like TDE goes there like every year on their circuit. Yep. So like we like nobody from TDE stops through the Blue Note in Colombia, but like we've had like a few like artists on the rise. Like I know Chance performed at Mizzou, uh, Kendrick performed at Mizzou. Both that was before I was there. Salva came, Mick came. Tory Lanez came, Jacquees, but then like a whole book, a whole bunch of other like non-rap stuff too, like a whole bunch of like uh, indie bands and like uh, who else? I'm I'm drawing a blank. But there were like so many other, um, just like oh the internet came. I forgot about the internet. Like they came all through Colombia, but that's kind of like the vibe of. Or at least that I guess maybe the promoters were bringing. Like I wasn't involved in any of that stuff. Mm. Um, but it's it's definitely more of a um, kind of like a chiller indie band type or indie artist type of vibe in Colombia. Mm. Um, but there's like there's a few artists that are still there. Um, they're still there. They're doing some dope things. So yeah. Um, well, was it frustrating for you to not have like the national tours coming through that you would have been able to possibly like? kind of interact with at KU or something like that? I just thought it was interesting. I was just yeah. like, why are, why are people stopping to go to, to the Granada? <laughs> like, you know, like, why, why Lawrence, Kansas and not Columbia, Missouri? You know, that was just kind of an interesting thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Lawrence is closer to KC, so you can kind of pull both to get the college crowd and people who drive 45 minutes over or whatever. Um, but when I was in school, I just thought that was like, just it was interesting to know like, oh, okay, the mainstream guys are going to KU and then we'll get, we'll get like some of some of the end of year stuff or whatever, but it was cool though. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you have, you, you produced, uh, two or three songs on a new project from a rapper named Jay Wood. Yeah. Uh, he's from South Florida, I think. No, he's from uh, Chicago. Oh, Chicago. I must've misread something. But um, yeah, how did you um, first get in touch with him? And oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a follow-up after that. Yeah, so he uh, went to Mizzou. He went to Mizzou at the same time. Oh, so he's like a few classes uh, below me or whatever. And I saw him rap once at like this on-campus thing. And ever since then, we've been kind of like, cool. That's like the homie. That's like whatever, like... You know, so we just always been like super cool. We'll kick it and stuff like that. And I would just like help him like whatever he needed to help with, like outside of music or whatever. And then he just he just graduated from Mizzou this past spring. So um he wanted to, you know, get a project together to um just kind of commemorate his whole like 
collegiate experience and him transitioning to being like an artist. Um, so basically, I just helped him put that together, uh, produced, a, produced on there, mixed a couple songs, I recorded most of it. So yeah, it's just like the homie. And we just really wanted to put some really great music together because I believe that we could, I believe that we could. So that's kind of how that project came about. Mm. Oh yeah, and I listened to a couple of the tracks you produced on that project mm -hmm. and they are like, kind of like darker, more like nocturnal type songs than I think you're kind of known for. Um, yeah. yeah. Was that kind of, was it important to you to like try something different or were you kind of just following his lead on that? And it, was was it fun just to be able to do something a little different? Yeah, well, yeah, really, how do I answer this question? So he does have, we do have a song together called Come Scoop that's kind of like more in like uh, the uh, kind of like sound I guess I'm known for. Mm. Um, but before I was working with Pink Caravan and like I was putting stuff on SoundCloud, I definitely made more conventional style beats, you know, most of the time. And it was, it was before I had met a friend um, when I was in college. So just kind of like, hey, it's showing me all these cool, like, you know, beats and producers on SoundCloud, like you're talented enough, why don't you just make something more creative like that? And I'm just like, oh, okay, you're right. Yeah, like I'll try it. And so we worked on a whole bunch of stuff and that kind of led into me having the chops to even attempt to make something that Pink Caravan would want to rap over. Um, so with Jay Wood, he's more of a, um, I guess he has more of a kind of like a, a conventional style, you know? Like we definitely, I definitely could have been more like eccentric with some of the stuff because at the end of the day, like Chicago, there is a soulful city, but they're not, um, the producers there are not shy to, to do something that's a little bit like outside of the box, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I know specifically that I kind of wanted to just make something that was just really like killer, I guess, <laughs> and for lack of a better word. And so I was just making beats I think I made both those beats the same day. Like, I think this was January or February. I think it was like January this year. And I was just like, I made them. I didn't even intend for him to like use those. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm making beats. He has like, he hears all the beats I make. Like they're in like a Dropbox folder or whatever. And he was just like, oh, like he was like, keep these. I'm gonna work on that. I was like, go crazy. And then he uh, basically wrote those songs like super quick. And when he did those, they were definitely different from kind of like the vibes he had done before. I was like, oh, I can I can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, we just kind of like worked on the records, got them to where they need to be, you know. But yeah, so but yeah, that's like you know, it's just a bro. And so for for the sound, uh, I definitely at this point I don't know like how much of the sound I'm known for will still get produced, you know, outside of like Pink Caravan records and maybe like Sam Stan records and stuff like that. Um, because I think I'm just finding uh, more like more uh, sounds. Like, I don't know what another word, but just like finding more ways to just to work with different kinds of artists and different kinds of styles and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, because you did just uh, you mentioned Sam Stan and uh, his latest project, Happy Raps Two. Yeah, I think Happy Raps Two. No, yeah, yeah. so you can you can tell from the title what what that's gonna kind of sound like a little bit. But those, those are all right. the, the, the tracks I heard from that were very solid. Also, so 
definitely Appreciate a project it. worth checking out for anyone listening. Happy reps too. And we had put that, that one took like some time because Sam's like, he's a super intentional artist. Like he kind of knows everything about him is about, is about the vibes. Like maybe it's, he's, he's the one that's from South Florida. So okay, yeah. uh, maybe it's just a, a South Florida thing. Like, I don't know, but he's like super vibey, super, you know, he catch away, like, you know, so um, we had, we had done like a lot of those records just kind of like over time. And then uh, we just kind of like picked our favorite ones and for the album. But I always, when I started working with Pink, I wanted to work with him because I was like, oh, I think the same type of uh, mindset I put towards Pink Caravan, I could put towards his sound. And so we kind of started working uh, in 2017 and I produced a couple of songs for him over time. And then we did the whole album together that came out this year. So. No, yeah, and they were both featured on like a song that you put out yourself. Uh, yeah, is that Room Room? Yeah, Room Room. Yeah. No, that's a fun one. And they ha- ha- did they have any knowledge of each other before you you put them on that song or like? No, not at all. That was completely me. So basically, we had done the um, me and Pink Caravan. We did the a very sad happy birthday EP three songs, right? And so we're working at a studio or somebody's house, I think, in St. Louis. And so I'd make the room, room beat. And if you listen to that beat and you listen to the EP, they're similar in aesthetic, but they're different in like groove and bounce and stuff like that. And it's kind of more so kind of like what I wanted to do as a producer. And Pink Caravan, she was, uh, she didn't really like know like, okay, like this is different, you know, like, you know, I'm over here, but you're doing this or whatever. I'm like, this is going to be so sick. Like, you should just, you know, find whatever works on it. And um, the song is called Room Room, hilariously, because she had just changed her name to Pink Caravan. So we were just kind of like messing around, like with a play on words. Mm-hmm. I was like, just go and record something. Like, just give me like 30 seconds and just see what comes out. So she was just like, I don't skirt. It's like Room Room. We kind of got that line from Missy Elliott um, from the the rain where she's like, the the who got the keys to the Jeep room or whatever. So like we were just it's like a whole bunch of play on words from Missy to her being pink caravan, caravan being in the car, her going room room or whatever. So we were just kind of like joking around. But I was like, oh no, this is cool. And so I took like four, like literally uh, there's a sample of pink caravan that shows up in Sam Sam's verse on that song. That was what I sent Sam. It was like literally just three seconds. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. I took this out of her freestyle. I think this could be a really cool song. I need you to write a verse to it. <laughs> and he came and he killed it. And he wrote his verse with like half of a hook. And he put it in the world. He put it in there like right. And then I brought it back to Pink Caravan. I was like, hey, I need you to finish the song. Like we need, to, we need a proper hook. I need you to do like a little verse and I think this could be something special. And so we ended up finishing it out and um, it just been, it just ended up being perfect timing, like with the release and everything and uh, ended up being a really cool song. So yeah, that's kind of like how that came about really. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of me trying to orchestrate something, which is really super cool, I guess. Yeah, Cause I, I definitely heard um, the first Pink Caravan EP when I, f- I forget the name she was going by before, but I definitely heard it at that point before yeah. it got switched um yeah she was going by uh j uh s and then she's going by jasmine but like oh, okay Dallas. yeah that's right 
yeah, which is her like her real name. So, mm. but yeah, now she goes by Pink Caravan. Uh, and super sick. It is fun. Um, so there are a couple other like solo tracks that you've produced that you've put on streaming, and I think maybe a couple more on SoundCloud. Um, but I think are are those all just instrumental tracks, right? Um, so I think on streaming, I have like a few more collabs. Like I have a collab with um, Bachi, who's from Florida, oh, yeah. that I put out earlier this year. And then um, I have a collab with this guy named Patches that we put out a couple of years ago. Um, that was like super, super fun song. Um, and that, that got like picked up. Like a lot, of this, like a lot of the songs, I guess when you're like a producer, like they get like picked up from stuff. So like, I got like a couple of like TV placements and stuff from those, which is like really cool. Nice. Um, but yeah, most of the, I don't really do instrumental. I have, I think maybe one or two instrumental songs on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very, they're very like tedious for me to make. Cause I never feel like they're good enough to just be like, a standalone like I don't I get bored making them like you know like and when you, you have, have when like you're a, making a it purpose behind yeah it. I feel like it doesn't serve a purpose like not to me like I, I I enjoy listening to instrument music all the time or like just hopping on SoundCloud and listening to like flips and edits or samples or whatever but me personally making them I don't have the um uh I guess just just the insight or the creativity to just kind of like make it work for myself so I don't tend to do instrumental tracks all that often mm-hmm. What what shows did you get stuff placed on? Uh, Room Room was on Dear White People. Is that right? Is that right? I, I feel like yeah. I remember you posting about that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Room Room was on Dear White People. It was on the soundtrack and it was in an episode for season two. Yeah, <laughs> girlfriend's helping me out, and uh, the um. The song with Patchy's show goes on was on uh, Ball and the Family, like LeVar Ball's Facebook show. Nice. Um, that was in, it played in the episode. I feel like I'm forgetting one other thing. But those are like the two big, like big things, mm. which was like super cool because any artists, like producers that are watching, like sync placements is a really good way to like make some money because I probably made more money doing that than I made like having the song released. So yeah, royalties, residuals, all, all that good stuff. Um, it, how, how, do you know how exactly your, your stuff got found and placed on there? Um, the honest answer is no. <laughs> so basically, I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but for me, they just kind of like emailed me and like, hey, we want to use this song. They already had it set for where they wanted it to go like what episode what scene and maybe it would change later down the line but like hey we already have this set this is kind of like the budget we're looking for does this work yes no like that was pretty much it um the person the like person that a and r the dear white people album i had met before so i was like oh maybe she like threw it into like the music supervisor or something like that. Mm. Like I noticed that after the fact. I was like, I was like looking at the, the liner notes. I was like, oh, I know this person. Um, but the Ball and the Family one was like super random, like another music supervisor. Maybe they heard, maybe they listened to the Dear White People soundtrack and was just like listening to other stuff. Cause I definitely had like people approach me in my email from like publishers and stuff like that. Like, oh, 
you know, what other songs, like, are you working on this, that, and the other? So I assume, I assume the uh, music supervisor or music placement industry isn't very big. Yeah. So I think if you get on one soundtrack, like, we were almost on Insecure one time, so that would have been crazy. Yeah. But, um, like, you know, I think it's, like, if you're on one soundtrack, they'll find you and you'll get on more. So. Yeah, there's probably a, a group chat or a Discord or a something Yeah, there. something. <laughs> People are just group. trying to still still artists like oh this artist was super cool on this one let's add him to this one like all my friends that are that are artists or producers that have sync placements a lot of them continue to get sync placements it's never really just like a one-off thing mm. so i think it's kind of like uh once you're kind of in that system the people who the music supervisors i think are just kind of like always looking out i think that's kind of how it works yeah um so yeah do you uh do you have more plans to kind of like assemble more um, songs to release yourself or like work on a project at any point? Um, yeah, I should. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I've been trying to do a project for like years. It's just uh, doing a project as a producer is like super hard, at least for me, because um, it's, it's just a lot of moving pieces. When you're not, when it's not an instrumental project and you have to kind of like balance like other artists and like getting stuff together and then you have to get everything cleared and all this other stuff. So like I had actually at one time, like a five song project that just kind of like fell through the cracks. That was like very disappointing. So I was just like, Oh, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so, um, but right now I'm going to, I'm like basically just gonna repossess a whole bunch of songs <laughs> that I like know exist like from different rappers, either like songs that didn't come out or like, um, rappers that I have worked with and like the song didn't come out, but like, hey, you know, put together EP, can I get like a verse on this or something like that? And I want to put out a project like that. Um, I'm not going to say when, because, you know, timing is weird. But I would, long story short, I would like to do a project. It will not be an instrumental project because I suck at those. And um, I want to basically have a lot of artists. There's going to be artists from KC, St. Louis and Chicago, and then like other um, rappers that I've kind of met through this short little journey that will basically provide me a verse. So, um, and it, it won't be like anything super, um, that kind of like flexes like my production or anything like that, like a lot like stylistically. I just want it to be like, you know, good music, you know, like good songs, um, like good energy, stuff like that. I'm not super, concerned with like being like the namesake sound or something anything like that so I just kind of like want to make good songs with like artists that I like but also have them all on the same project so it just kind of like if you're a fan of one it'll introduce you to the other and then maybe it'll show like some range too and like production and like artists that I work with and stuff so yeah that is a goal of mine like a, a short-term goal so like get that going i mean there's some songs that i already have but the, a project quote unquote doesn't exist yet so yeah. yeah i think the last thing i had you kind of touched on it there was at least to my knowledge you've only produced like a small handful of songs that have involved kansas city artists like you have skateland with joey origami and yeah. you have run with asham i think yeah um yeah, do you, is, do you think there's any specific reason you haven't uh, worked as much with 
Kansas City artists and do you kind of hope to you, you said you did kind of hope to change that over time right that's a good question we should talk about KC more but um I don't know man really because the Joey song he basically like hunted me down so like I think I was like no I can't remember because I've worked with Joey a couple times so I can't remember if that was one that I produced at his like with him I think it was but I'm not sure Hmm. but um he will like always wanted to work and like Joey's like the coolest person ever like super chill guy like how can you not like him? So like when I remember when I was like first meeting him for the first time, like I always thought he was like super cool. So like why wouldn't I do a song with him? And uh it just he was like very uh what's the word? Like adamant, I guess, about like just like collabing, like not even just about like doing the song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so at least to me he was like I don't it wasn't like he was like blowing me up or anything like that. But I could tell like we had collabed like a couple times so I, it made sense that we were going to do a song and i think that beat that i made because even like when i heard it when it came out i was like oh yeah this was like a different era of like namesake you know um but i love the song that he made to it like skateland like me like i grew up in grandview or at least like part of my time in kc i was in grandview it's like super nostalgic like i, I thought it would be like a bigger song in kc Hokey, just because you have the nostalgia factor there or whatever but and then Aishan we got really cool like this year like I've always thought Aishan was like super cool but like I like went to his house earlier this year and we were just like talking about all kinds of stuff like he is definitely an artist that gives uh, like a lot of thought not just in his music but just like in the world in general um and so we just kind of connected on uh just like on a friend note or just like were we able to just like talk about anything really like music politics whatever and just learning more about him as a person just kind of made me want to like work with him more or just understand kind of like what he wanted I think that's what I like as a producer I kind of have to understand where you want to go with your music and kind of like who you are as a person because that's just how I've always worked like I work closely with artists like I did all of Sam's project I produced most of Pink Hair Band's music like, I've, I don't really do, like, the one-offs all that often, or at least I haven't. Um, so, I think as far as, like, Casey goes, it just means, like, I would have to be, like, closer to more of the artists there. I have an unreleased song with AL. Um, I think it's going to make his EP. That's what he said. We know how that goes. So, um, and uh, this is very interesting because when I, I made the beat at, um, at Unlabeled with the Goonies, and... Uh, Basically, I, I, I kind of had a vibe that I was going for. And then when he started um, making the song, he was like on a totally different vibe. So I definitely learned a lot about his artistry in that session. Um, but yeah, like, so I think we have a song coming out and we had like, a lot of the stuff I have with Casey Artists is like overdue. Like me working with Solomon is like super, super overdue. Yeah. But I send him beats all the time. So, uh, well, he has, we have songs together. They're just not out, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's just more so about me just being more connected to, like, artists so I can, like, understand the vision and the vibe and stuff like that. Because I don't really make 
I'm not the type of producer that just kind of like makes beats that anybody can like work with. I think that's kind of a hindrance of mine, I guess, or whatever. Like, I'm just like, if you just hear a beat, like you probably, it's one artist will probably like it more than another. It's not like anyone can use it, I guess. So I just kind of have, I feel like I always have to like tailor make things for people all the time. So if like, if I want a song with a KC artist, I have to make a song with that artist in mind, you know, and then after so many reps of that, you're going to get the one that actually works, you know? So I think over time I'll work with more KC artists. I've been in, like, I've been in sessions with a few, but we don't have anything that's like out yet. So, you know, we'll see. You were excited to talk Kansas City music. Are there any like specific, like important memories you have of like Kansas City music or anything that came to mind when that came up? Oh, I just mean just about like, you know, oh God, just like the artistry, (laughs) the artistry, like in general, or just like the artists coming up in general. Um, Cause like I said, when I was in college, I was super removed from Casey. Didn't even know Casey had a local scene like at all. I was super big into St. Louis's scene at the time. So like Smino was coming up and I was very like involved with, not with him specifically, but just like kind of like the artists that were brewing up because Smino was becoming a thing. So I kind of like all the artists that he inspired and stuff like that. Um, And so that's kind of like where I developed more as a producer. And so in KC, like they had this thing called like St. Louis art scene. That was like really big a few years ago. And in KC, they didn't have something like that now at the time. Now they have like more of an art scene. Like people are kind of like going out and like, you know, they have the different events, like the open mics and the, the soul sessions and the, um, I don't want to name drop anything specific, but you know, you know what I'm saying? So like there's more so in the first Fridays and stuff like that. So um, I think like the city, like that's the thing when like, I think artists, like you have to have a culture. I'm sorry, I keep dropping my phone, but uh, you have to have like a culture of uh, of fans or like an audience that wants to support it, you know? And I think KC as a city are like slowly coming around to like the artsier type of stuff. Um, and then that'll eventually trickle down to like artists like making better music or fans like being more receptive of artists like in the city and stuff like that. Um, at least that's, at least that's, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, as far as like working with Casey artists, like definitely a goal of mine, but I want to, like, I'm super particular. Like I wanted to, I don't just want to make a song to say like, Oh, I have a song with Casey. I want it to be like a, a really good song you know like any like anything else that i would do you know oh yeah the it's i think you've been plenty successful so far with like your kind of craft like tailor-made approach to producing for people so i i can only see that continuing to work when when we continue to kind of branch out to kansas city acts um i hope so man trying doing doing the best i can you feel me like it's no secret to this. You just got to put the work in and, you know, hopefully you'll catch a vibe. For sure. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or like any plugs you have where people can find you and listen to you and everything? Uh, follow me on social media at its namesake and 
I will be, yeah, really just follow me on social media because I don't want to, I'm the type of person I will spoil something and then it won't happen or like it'll come way later. So I won't say anything, but just know like working on tons of music, working on if any artists are watching this, working on like more beats to just be readily available, stuff like that. Um, and uh, working on like mixing and engineering and stuff too. That's like a new craft that I picked up from like being quarantined and stuff like that. That's super, super exciting actually. Um, but yeah, just follow me on social media. Shout out Aaron, you know, for the interview. No, and I, I saw, pod. no, yeah. And I saw, um, I think like I was on your SoundCloud, but then it linked to your actual website, but you have a yeah. link on there. That's like a playlist of all of the stuff you've produced so far that's on Spotify. So if anyone is listening and is interested to uh, see what your stuff sounds like, I think that's probably a good place to find it all. So that's true. You, I haven't even touched my SoundCloud page in like months. So that's, I'm glad that gotta, my gotta website was like, on there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that my, uh, my SoundCloud or my website was like super, super, super like, uh, you know, it had all the information that needed to be there. But yeah, the Spotify playlist, I'm hoping that like, I really want to expand that, you know, get some, get some more quality songs that I can put in that playlist. Sometimes I make songs I don't want to add. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, that just happens. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and people can follow at Shellcock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, the website nice. is music.com. The web store is shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com. We have um, a few of the Spine t-shirts left. We have the brand new Shuttlecock Year 4 photozine uh, that came out just this week. That's 40 of my favorite Fire. concert photos from the last couple of years. And um, yeah, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast or our YouTube channel. And yeah, the premiere... The premier Kansas City music outlet, Shuttlecock. Your your words, not mine. Um, but yeah, thank you Thanks. for being on the show today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Because I don't I don't do like I don't think I've ever. Done, well, I guess I have done an interview before, but it's not, it's super rare. So I appreciate. I like talking music. So appreciate you having. Yeah, I, I love I love the rare shit. That's. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. A,